Welcome back to Women of AB Polly. I'm your host, Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. And I'm her spicy as always co-host, Kathleen Smith, a.k.a. Kiki Planet. Hello, Kathleen. Hello, Deirdre. How excited so- are we to have this conversation today? Very excited. <laughs> Very good. I'm actually quite happy that our listeners can't see me right now because I went for a run in this disgusting humidity and I can smell myself. Like, it's really good. This isn't scratch and sniff podcasting because I can smell myself and it's not pretty this morning. (laughs) And that's my fault for scheduling it right after Kathleen's run. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got, we want to start off with uh, something that was really wild that got posted yesterday on Twitter. I actually checked uh, my local Facebook group and it wasn't in there, even though um, she's our MLA, but Let's talk about that that video of Leela here literally grabbing a bull by its horns. <laughs> a real bull. A real bull. We're not like, this isn't an analogy or a metaphor. No. Leela here jumped in and grabbed a bull by the horns at the rodeo was to save pushing. somebody's life. Yeah. Was pushing <laughs> a fucking, like, I mean, you've, you've, if you've seen Lila here in person, she's not very big. No. Right? She's she like isn't. Rachel Notley size. Yeah. <laughs> she's a tiny little thing. Yeah. And someone did, like, you can see someone, there was that bigger guy who's trying to pull her out of the way and she just <laughs> keeps going back like, no, pushing at this freaking bull. <laughs> oh, I, I, like, I loved it. That yeah. was one of the first things I saw when I uh, checked my feed this morning, and I loved it. Now, of course, there's there's always going to be the replies from people who, oh, yeah, but she, she did this two years ago, and she didn't say this oh, last year. And yeah, okay, fine. And we all, we're all going to have tons of time over the next few weeks of the leadership race to discuss that. <laughs> But for for the love of crackers, give the woman a round of applause, please. Because there's not even too many adult men who would risk that. Right? Like I actually, we were were talking about it and I said, you know, my sense of Mm self-preservation is pretty strong. And I said, I hate to think that I would have been one that stayed on the other side of the fence and hoped for the best like I mean I I'm I can admit that about myself I think that's what I would have done so to see someone else just go like no I can do something and you're like holy shit (laughs) like that's that's fucking amazing Uh, even staying on the other side I would have been the person who just started running in the other direction all right oh not looking back oh (laughs) hell no I need all my limbs. I've got Mount Laundry in the basement to deal with. Right. So I don't have time to be fighting bulls. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, other people too brought up like, uh, like what happened was there was a, there was a woman standing inside of the uh, pen or, or the, the walkway for the animals to go through. And the bull kind of went at her and, and she, she kind of got tossed and then the bull came back for her and and that's when Leela had jumped in and other others uh started to jump in and so I've seen some commentary as well like what was the other person doing there okay yes there's all of these other things but 
you know, however this all came about, whatever led to this, the reaction of a person, a person that we happen to know, we happen to know who this person is, right? Even if we didn't know who this person was, we would still be going, holy crap, that somebody did this. Uh, And it just happens to be a UCP MLA who is running for the leadership. And there's a lot of pissed off people about this. I, and I, but we're all pissed off. Everybody's just generally pissed off. Stabby. Right now. Stabby. Yeah. Very stabby. We all are. But I was watching that video and I swear I could hear C is unstoppable in the background, right? Oh. Unstoppable. <laughs> I'm a Porsche with no brakes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was absolutely astounding. I, you know, have to give so many kudos to anyone who would even do that. Yep. Like I said, because I don't think I would. Um, I know I wouldn't. I'm, yeah. I'm a big wuss. It would have to be my kid. It would have to be my kid under there. Yes. Yeah. If it was my kid, if it was my husband, it, uh, he's I'd a be big like, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> joking, of course. Yes. But. Um, but yeah, so that's, that, uh, I mean, that was pretty amazing yesterday. I yeah. guess look for that on Twitter. Uh, Sarah Biggs at Sarah YYC, um, is the one who tweeted it out. And of course she is, uh, Lula's campaign manager, but and still full disclosure, also yeah. a friend of ours. Yeah. Full disclosure. It doesn't mean <laughs> that, you know, we're waving flags for Leela or anything. We're just letting y'all know that Sarah is a, a friend of ours. Yes. And so, of course, that just leads in so nicely to the UCP leadership debate that happened last Wednesday, uh, which <sighs> was um, now I wasn't I was very pissed off because the feed had a problem. And apparently that was a Shaw issue this time, not a Rogers issue. This was a Shaw outage around oh. Alberta. And I wasn't that's aware why that- the feeds were. Yeah, it, it was, was all of them. Yeah, it, it was, was all mess. of the feeds. I was, you know, I had uh, one one group. <laughs> they're like, I, I just realized I'm watching on Rebel Media. Someone else was like, I'm on Western Standard. I was on the actual United Conservative website. Mm-hmm. And we were all getting shut down at various times. And it was like, what the like, what the hell is going on with this? So I had to rewatch it. So I just rewatched it Saturday night. Um, and by Saturday night, I had actually done some more things. So on Wednesday, you know, I saw a little bit of it. Uh, I talked with uh, Nate Pike at the breakdown that night. And, you know, we heard from some other people who had, who had watched it. And, and it's, a, it's a good episode. I don't believe he's making it into a podcast because that wasn't really the point of it. It was just, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? And so, I mean, it's still on his feed. If you want to check that out, it'll be there for at least... You know, it's 30 days that it'll hold it there. But um, but it's it's it was good. We had, you know, some of the people that that were talking, Lynn, especially at the very beginning. Um, she's a she's a UCP member, a UCP supporter, and she is very concerned about a Daniel Smith government or a Daniel Smith win. Yeah. Government. Yeah. And so like I think anyone who isn't concerned has not paid one speck of attention. Oh God! You and you cannot you cannot be uh, 
a sensible human being and listen to Danielle Smith and not be concerned. Right. It's like, I, what, mm. what Danielle Smith is engaging in right now. And I hate Trump comparisons. I, I don't use the word hate very often. I hate Trump comparisons because they're mostly ridiculous, over the top uh, rhetorical comparisons that aren't based in truth. Right. That having been said, what Danielle Smith is doing is the same, the same approach we've seen a lot of the far right wing American politicians in the United States use. It's the mm -hmm. same thing Marjorie Taylor Greene does. It's the same thing that uh, Lauren Boebert is that her name? Bobert or Bobert? Bo I, I I'm not sure. It's the same thing <laughs> that she's doing. It's the same thing that that Madison. Uh, oh, Colin? Coth Cawthorn. Cawthorn. Yeah. It's the same thing he was doing. And it is ultimately the same thing that Donald Trump did. And that is uh, reach out to the absolute lowest common denominator of the electorate and amplify the things that are of concern to them, which really have nothing to do with good governing. Mm. They aren't about governing. And Daniel pandering to that faction, I mean, we've known anyone who has paid attention in Alberta politics for the last decade knows how ravenous an appetite Danielle Smith has for uh, power and notoriety. Mm -hmm. We've seen it. We've watched it for a decade. We watched it with the Calgary Board of Education that she blew up. We watched it with the Wild Rose Party and then her floor crossing. Mm -hmm. we, we heard it with her radio show. And now we see it uh, with her leadership campaign. This woman is dangerous because she will say anything, do anything to achieve her her own power objectives and none of that is about good governing i cannot believe we have a, a candidate for premier who is pushing conspiracy theory bullshit at the level of theo flurry yeah who is one of the most dangerous voices online in my singular opinion this is a man who told people under the care of psychiatrists and physicians to just stop taking their meds and they'll feel better and this is who danielle smith is pushing out as a, an authority on anything on yeah. anything theo flurry who who claims an honorary degree is no different than an actual medical degree yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I have paid a lot of attention to Smith. Um, I didn't publicize a lot of it, but you know, every so often I would find something so egregious I had to write. So yes. I have a few pieces that, you know, very specifically point out things that she was doing uh, on 770 that was just mind blowing to me. And ultimately, it's one of the reasons why she ended up leaving 770 is because she was asked to stop giving a platform to these conspiracy theorists. Yeah. These are and people who could not get a platform when, anywhere else. When you say 770, of course, you're talking about uh, 
and and Chorus Daniel Smith's <laughs> former uh, morning show yeah. on that network that she claimed she was walking away from because of freedom of speech issues. Well, and that's like I said, they asked her to stop platforming these these people. Like as as much as you know, there used to be an intro to Daniel Smith's show, and I laughed my ass off the first time I heard it because what I got from it probably wasn't what they meant. But mm-hmm. so the intro was there's two sides to every story and then there's hers. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, way and, the fuck out there. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was too. Right. And, it was, and it was hers was not based in reality right. 99% of the time. And that's why it just killed me. It didn't last very long, <laughs> probably because, you know, because that's yeah. what they were saying. They were saying, you know, there's, there's these two. And then there's way from fuck, not nowhere comes Danielle Smith with some nut shit. Anyway, yeah. that maybe was a weird thing to say. Um, but <laughs> now that I think about it, um, but yeah, like it, but I, like, I, I watched this, I listened to this and in, in 2014, I wasn't super engaged but I knew about the floor crossing I wasn't a wild rose supporter but I actually I liked Danielle Smith as opposition I thought that she did a decent job of holding the government to account she did her job yes right I thought I thought the wild rose was very strong holding the government to account um so yeah unfortunately a lot of the time the uh the WRP was holding them to account because they wanted worse policy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at least we had an opposition for a while. Yes, there, right? we did have, we did have someone who in my mind kind of kept the PCs from getting away with things. Right. Yes. I thought they did a great job, at least as far as that was concerned. And so I was upset that Smith had crossed the floor. I thought, you know, this, like what, bullshit I'm not a party member I don't understand how they work but you know what I can see I can understand why people are pissed you're the leader of a different party what the fuck are you doing and what right did you have to destroy that party right what right did you have as unilaterally (laughs) to unilaterally destroy a party that also kept the leader leashed and that's something that a lot of uh, uh, Albertans still don't understand about the Wild Rose and uh, what their constitution looked like and what Danielle Smith's actual power was as the leader of the Wild Rose. It was zero. Yeah. Just so everyone knows that it was zero because the WRP constitution was specifically written in a way to uh, empower the grassroots membership and disempowered the leader. The leader was really, the leader had no more power than any other Wild Rose MLA. Mm-hmm. They were leashed, handcuffed, uh, restricted. And of course, that's not exactly how Danielle Smith likes to play things. Yeah. So, as much as it was a shock that she crossed the floor mm-hmm. back in, oh gosh, what was that, 2014? Mm-hmm. Uh, that she crossed the floor and blew up an entire party. It was a shock, but looking back on uh, her political career and her media career, Danielle does for Danielle. Mm-hmm. 
Danielle doesn't do for Albertans. And there's a lot of people who better figure that out pretty damn quick. Right. And And she has no problem with shilling crazy. No, I don't. And I don't care if people don't like that word. What Diane, what Danielle Smith is shilling is 100% pure batshit crazy nonsense. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make things even worse in this province. We will spend, uh, if, if Danielle becomes premier, and we're stuck with her for four years because Alberta being Alberta, we will reelect crazy. Mm-hmm. We've done it in the past several times. <laughs> but if, if Danielle becomes premier and we're, we're stuck with her for the entirety of that four years, it, she can't govern. Mm-hmm. There will be no effect of governing. She because will, she doesn't believe in government doesn't believe in government and the next four years will be spent wasting millions if not billions of dollars on supreme court battles because she wants to step outside the bounds of confederation she is selling bullshit to canadians about to albertans about alberta wants the same powers as quebec alberta is not a distinct society under confederation like for the love of christ people did did you we all like to think we are high school social <laughs> studies have you picked up a book have you read the act that brought alberta into confederation quebec has has different laws quebec has a, a different place within confederation because of how they came into confederation mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. It's like people who say, well, Alberta sovereignty, Alberta separate. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that. It, there's simply no means for that to happen under confederation. And we've got more than Danielle selling this. Brian Jean. Back and forth, yeah. Double quitter boy. He's selling this crap too. What is going on in this province that we are even entertaining for the office of the premier the guy who quit twice midterm and i'm never going to shut up about that (laughs) at two different levels of government brian jean quit he quit midterm when he was uh, a um, cpc mp Mm -hmm. he quit midterm when he was a ucp mla he ran for leadership of the wrp and won that, and for a little while did a fairly, you know, he he showed up as leader of the opposition. Now he he wants. Then he ran against Jason Kenney and lost, of course. Um, now he's running again. He doesn't want to do the work. He's made that very clear. <laughs> he quit twice. He does well. not want the job unless he gets to be in the position of power. Danielle Smith has no interest in governing. She wants the power. Brian Jean has no interest in governing. He wants the power. Why Albertans would even entertain electing either of these two, I I don't understand. We just keep going backwards in this province. We just keep going backwards. Well, and I've done done some math. Um, I mean, it's, I believe... So I've done I've done a couple of scenarios, one um, one where Daniel Smith takes a handily and 
one where there's a possibility that it's Taves. I actually see Brian Jean, um, you know, overestimating his support uh, mm. a lot. And Brian so Jean's I, I, a big fish in a little fish bowl. Yeah. And I that little I, fish bowl is, you know, Fort McMurray Wood Buffalo. Yeah. And I mean, like he's, I, I don't, I don't see him getting the support that he needs. Um, after the debate, uh, you know, I come back with, you know, Daniel Smith is a, she did talk radio for a number of years. She is a very good storyteller. She's a very good speaker. She's engaging. Yeah. And so like when I went to rewatch the debate, what I did was uh, spend some time in conservative Facebook groups <laughs> and just, you know, got some idea of what they were all talking about and, and what they, what they were saying, what they were seeing. And then I went back and rewatched the debate with a little bit more uh, of a lens from their perspective, right? I am not a Daniel Smith fan, but if you listen to those who are, then you start thinking, okay, like, so, so what is she projecting? And that is what she's projecting. She's a good storyteller and she, she speaks well, she speaks very easily. That was the other thing. So, uh, so I can see what she's projecting. And if you're not really listening to what she's saying, she makes it seem like everything is just going to be fine. Yeah. Right. Like she's just got that voice and that, that air. And it's like, shit is basically what I thought when I, when I rewatched it kind of through that lens, uh, Travis Taves has to stop. I don't know who told him to do something with his arms, but he needs to stop. <laughs> he needs to stop that. It was distracting as hell. <laughs> like, And, and this fist bumping, like, or not fist bumping. It was, it was fist pumping as if he was, you know, putting his fist down on an imaginary thing. But so it looks yeah. dumb. He's I, not hitting anything. Like, what is he doing this? It's always entertaining to see what strategists think is is going to connect <laughs> these these unnatural uh, sort of postures that strong is, that they inc- <laughs> yeah look strong. It was oh god. Anyway, so that was the first thing. Like. I'm so glad I wasn't live tweeting because when I live tweet, I just listen. I don't mm-hmm. tend to watch. And because I was rewatching it, that's all I did. <laughs> just, I'm, so I'm watching this and I'm like, it's so distracting. Yeah. Right. And now the and other it fake, it looks it's, fake. Yeah. It looks, um, it looks kind of robotic. It comes across as very obviously something his team told him <laughs> to do to look strong. It's just not working for him. No, no. Um, and now the other thing that I got from Taves is frustration with some of the things that were going on, right? With some yeah. of the things people were saying. So I, I fully related to that because over the last week I have been raging at the illogical arguments people are making and I get very I get flustered I get um I I maybe maybe I wave my hands I don't know but I get but that's why I don't do it in public (laughs) I don't rage about this uh in front of a camera because I think I would probably look like a tool Kind anyways, but (laughs) the thing is, but you could tell 
but that's what I, that's what I got from him, from Taves was that he was getting frustrated with some of the dumb shit that was coming at him. And yeah. one of them, um, if you haven't either read this tweet thread or this article about the missing $4 billion, uh, Kyle of Olson, big Sarah. Yeah. Uh, but they have a, so they've got a, a firm and Kyle has been like, you know, looking at at budgets and audit reports and things like that for mm. years in government and so he went through it and he said okay like people stop there is not four billion missing the auditor general didn't say there was four billion missing they said you need to get all of your uh reporting mechanisms to to match because like this isn't this just isn't uh streamlined so to speak right that's what the audit, auditor general said Kyle went through, you know, he found like the majority of it. He's like, I can find the rest if I really dig, but you know, there's definitely not 4 billion missing. And Todd Lowen threw that at Travis Taves during the debate and Taves shut it down so easily. And I thought because he's been doing this for a month and some, and I, like I did. So I got this feeling of Taves of, of frustration, you know, and kind of like, why the hell are some of these people on the stage? Yeah. The, uh, what I noticed too is uh, we've got all these candidates standing up there telling us how shitty a job they've all done. <laughs> right. See, so and elect- Lowen can get away with me. it. <laughs> Lowen can get away with it a bit. Uh, Smith can get away with it and Jean can get away with it. Yeah. But no one else can. And this is actually Leela here. This this one, this one uh, comment that she had, and I'm putting together a list of some quotes that unlike David Staples opus of here's how everybody hates Trudeau. It's like, fuck off. They did other things. And why do we care yeah. anyway? Um, <laughs> ragey. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, I grabbed some quotes out of, out of the debate that, you know, talked about more about Alberta and, but one of the things I pulled that Leela here said was, you know, she just sort of, she was like, I'm the adult in the room here. She's like, you know, many people on this stage, we're part of government. There's no I in team. We made these decisions together. And if we're going to, you know, go move together or move forward unified, we need to start, you know, ad- we need to start acknowledging we made these decisions together. And I was just yeah. like, damn. You know, like good for you because to watch some of them try to distance themselves. Yeah. And she's like, no, we made these decisions together. And you know, there are decisions she didn't like. She, you know, she eventually became like went public with them. She um, got kicked out of cabinet. Right. Like, she I mean, got kicked out of cabinet for speaking up about it. Now, I'm, I'm not going to uh, sit here and blindly defend Leela. I'm not going to do that. I've I've taken issues with uh, with some of the stuff that I feel she backed down on. I, I'm disappointed by that. And to her credit, uh, when when she's been confronted with that, she doesn't make excuses. No, she'll say, mm-hmm. "Yeah, you're right." Mm-hmm. You know, she's not making excuses for it, but at least there was someone on that stage who said, hold up. Yeah, we were all in the room. We were all at the table. Mm-hmm. So let's deal in a little bit of honesty. I do think she deserves credit 
for saying that. Um, as for her performance in that debate, I, I, she missed I, a, she missed some opportunities. She missed some opportunities, and I it wasn't it wasn't a good night for her. Um, I don't feel like she showed the strength that she needed to. I don't feel like she got in there and rumbled. And like you know what I think to. some of it was because as I was when I was doing my my summary of it. Um, <laughs> I wrote, I hate to be the one to say this, but being the reasonable voice in the room just exactly. makes everyone hate you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's basically, you just piss everyone off. And that's, yeah. and I think that's, that's what I kind of came away with. Yes. I think she is the adult in the room. Yes. I think she's the reasonable person who's, you know, going to listen, but also put her foot down and say, we were all there. Like stop trying yeah. to put the blame somewhere else. We were all there, um, but it's kudos to her. I, I'm, I'm. That was a moment for me. Yeah, that was a moment because none of the others are ever going to admit that. Right, and yeah. So I mean, and it. Uh, I think I, I came away from the debate, you know, with with some with some idea of kind of where people are sitting now of course memberships are still being sold until august the 12th uh there's going to be another debate in september which will be a different sort of debate because right now they are still trying to build membership sales or membership support outside right. of the party in september i believe is when the next debate is going to be they will just be talking to people who have memberships so we'll see whether or not things change uh but as it sits right now, I'm looking at I'm looking at Danielle Smith, you know, with possibly a runaway lead, if not just straight out winning at this point. Um, Taves, you know, he's the establishment candidate, which I think works against him in this particular yeah. move to buy memberships. Um, you know, Rajan Sani built up her profile so much during that debate because she went after Smith so hard. And she was the only one who did it. And I mean, it was right out of the gates, right out of the gates when I listened back. So I missed all their opening statements the first time because my feed didn't connect. So I yeah. <laughs> just well, like, oh, right it, away. And I believe it's Ken Boston who is her campaign manager. Yeah. So uh, she's got a team mm-hmm. headed by an, a, an extremely experienced campaign manager. I mean, mm-hmm. Boston Cool is... Uh, uh, one could say he's over experienced. He was uh, chief of staff Harper's for team. Harper. Klein team. He was <laughs> chief of staff for Christy Clark. He's currently yeah. a lobbyist. Uh, this is someone who has decades of experience mm-hmm. and obviously advised his candidate who to go after and who to hit hard. And she took instructions well. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, I've had this conversation with Ken. Um, I was going to do a shout out, but I'm not sure if I should. So unfortunately, but there was, uh, there was a very, a very experienced um, other conservative campaigner who uh, helped immensely with debate prep. And I may give a shout out at some point if I get permission, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but yeah, Ken wasn't alone for sure. Um, and yeah, so Rajan Sani, I think, really increased her profile during that debate. Uh, Rebecca Schulz, 
Rebecca Schultz moved here in 2017 after Brad Wall resigned. Right. She worked in Brad's government. She mm-hmm. moved to Calgary pretty much on his on on his coattails. I am looking at now and uh, she doesn't have a history. Right. So when she was so the debate was basically her reiterating her very short in the grand scheme of things resume. Yeah. Of 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 what she, she can no talk business. about. She got no business even running she as far really as I'm doesn't. concerned. She has no business being on that stage. Nope. She has no business running the leadership campaign. None. Nope. And uh, she will be, in my mind, one of the first three out. Yes, She's, I think so too. There's, there's not much there. So, I mean, that's a, a bit of a wash. Uh, Lowen, he's a pretty common measured speaker. But uh, I believe, but I mean, he's propping up he's propping up the people that weren't in government. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is Daniel Smith and Brian Jean, both of whom have much higher profiles than he does. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really see him as a stalking horse, although he did go after tapes, but so did Brian Jean, right? Like these guys aren't afraid, you know, to do yeah. that. Well, and I think Todd Lowen is mostly in it to try to hold on to his seat. Yeah. That's possible. In the next he provincial election. Cause yeah. he's been, kicked out there's been a lot of talk about uh whether or not that riding even wants him anymore uh. <laughs> so <laughs> i i think you know we've got someone like lowen in there to safeguard his seat and i mean that might be schultz primary objective too because we know that calgary is definitely going to be the battleground it's in true, the next yeah. provincial election. So I think we're going to see a lot of uh, Calgary UCPL MLAs try to get more media, mm-hmm. more exposure in the hopes that they can hang on to their respective seats. Yeah, that makes sense too. Um, yeah. So I kind of like, I kind of came out of the debate with, uh, you know, like I said, a little better understanding of how other people might be looking at it. And, you know, I do that. I wear different hats because when I wear different hats, then I'm able to understand things a little bit better. Um, Yeah. But what's come out of that as well. So we've, we've, you know, some of these discussions we've had on Twitter, (laughs) we're like, um, you know, do I, or don't I buy a membership? You know, I got mine. Uh, So I, I had some, you know, from, from, I guess hardcore NDP supporters is is really the only way to describe them. Yeah, I got some pushback from them. Fine, whatever. Uh, but I, uh, Peter McCaffrey, Alberta Institute, I believe he's and he's like uh, he comes from the Manning Center. That was first place I met him at an event, and he was there on behalf of the Manning Center. And I also met him one uh, time uh, with Derek Fildebrandt. Like I've like I know he sits on the Libertarian right. And he responded to me and he's like, well, do you, but do you agree with the principles of the UCP? And I was really annoyed at that. Like I was, I was annoyed that he would even ask, but Mm -hmm. I got more annoyed as I went through, you know, some of the the things that I was writing about. And I was just like, you know, I get it why the NDP is mad because they want, they think that I should be a member of their party. Right. Um, I should be, giving donating to their party and so apparently you know telling me how stupid I am for buying another membership is supposed to or could push that along a little <laughs> faster 
but anyways <sighs> they uh but so I was I was kind of used to it from there but as I was writing this out I was like you know these these conservative purity tests by you know people that that are putting these towards libertarian fantasies yeah that's what they're actually like gauging this by and I was like you know the the UCP did not come out of some libertarian I mean maybe that's for some of them came out of a libertarian circle jerk but this was a merger between the Wild Rose and the progressive conservatives. Progressive, exactly. not the independence parties, not the separatists. Yeah. The progressive, progressive conservatives. Conservative. So fuck you for trying to, you know, decide whether or not I'm conservative enough. Fuck you. I was apparently conservative enough to be there in the first place. You guys can't push me out any more than if I wanted to be a member of the NDP. They can push me out fuck you all with yeah. this with this you know you're not this much fuck off i'm an albertan this affects yeah. me i will well, be involved and we have a lot of um hardcore partisans and ideologues right now and just i'm just going to say this once and this is the only time i'm going to say it because i'm sick of dealing with this shit on twitter i have not bought a membership to the ucp I will not be voting in this leadership race. That decision is based on uh, my loyalty to my kid and what this government has done to LGBTQ2 youth in this province and how they have worked their asses off to make sure that kids like mine are social pariahs in their schools. So I, I can't. That having been said, I completely understand people who are buying UCP memberships at $10 a pop to try to block Danielle Smith from winning this thing. Because if we think it's bad for our LGBTQ2 kids now, for women now, for healthcare workers right now, it's only going to get worse if that woman wins. So maybe instead of dumping on people who have bought UCP memberships to engage in the democratic process to have a say in who our next premier is, maybe instead of dumping on them, get off your fucking computers and go door knocking for the NDP and have conversations with people in real life and convince them to vote differently. Especially but in, in the rural. meantime, show up in rural. Yes, show up in the rural. In the meantime, get off the backs of people who want to have a say in who our next premier is. They have every right to do that. Right. It's easy. Yes. And there was something that came up, um, you know, because I do spend too much time thinking about this stuff. Uh, Jeff Ryback is a is a lawyer and and professor out of Ontario. And he tweeted the other day that the major divide in politics today isn't between left and right. It's between people who believe politicians exist to validate their feelings about the world and those who believe politicians are there to at least try to run the friggin' country responsibly. Amen. <laughs> right? Amen. I was like, oh, thank you. Because, and and this is... You know, I kind of wanted to ask you about this as well, because I know that you've moved, you know, from from being more partisan to kind of backing away and becoming more independent with things. Yes. 
And that's kind of how, I mean, I, I know that I have evolved since I first, because when I first became involved in politics, I'm like, who am I? Am I a progressive? Am I a conservative? I was mad at the PC party. I felt at home in the Alberta party. But, you know, there was there's this whole identity politics, this whole, you know, you have to be loyal to this group. And mm-hmm. I'm loyal I, to myself. I'm yeah. loyal to myself. I'm loyal to my morals. I'm loyal to my ethics. I'm loyal to what is important to me, what is best for uh, the future of all of my children, what is best for us as a province collectively. I'm not giving any more time for free to parties that when they come to power, screw me and my kid over. Yeah. I'm and not I- giving any more money to parties that when they come to power, screw us all over. Politicians are not our friends. I cannot say this strongly enough. They are not your friends. Stop acting like because some politician knows you on a first name basis, you're important or special to them. You're not. (laughs) They're like that with everybody. It's how they got the job. (laughs) So stop acting like these elected officials are our friends, regardless of whether or not we cheer for the team they happen to wear the jersey of. They're not your friends. And 99.9% of them are self-interested, are clinging to power, and will use us, will weaponize everything that's important to us, everything that we're fighting for to retain or achieve that power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, like, I, I've tried to figure out kind of where, where do I sit now? Because when I was, uh, when I ended up becoming a board member of the Alberta party, I found out boring, it's really boring. (laughs) Um, like I'm interested in, you know, like I'm interested in the strategy and I'm interested in, you know, what's what, why people are doing, why the party is doing certain things. My messaging is what the way it is. And I found out that, you know, saying whether or not we all agree to spend $20 on office supplies. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not, I have better ways to spend my time. And that's the minutiae of, of uh, local it is. politics. Too. Yeah. That's and what so, it comes down to. So like, but the other reason that I got out of it was because like I said, I felt like there was this expectation of loyalty and I'm like, again, that's not why I got into this. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't get into this to pledge my loyalty to anybody and but I could feel that that was the expectation so I stepped down and like also because you know I want to pursue the more interesting things that are going on and you know no offense Alberti party that wasn't you yeah (laughs) I need to be able to go to other events have other memberships things like that so yeah that was so that's why I got out of it but but that's what I have found is that I don't have you know any affinity uh for political parties which like i railed on before they are private clubs that have the that have the ability to tell an Albertan they can't be a member that they can't have a say like I mean it's it's really grotesque to me yeah I wish it would change um I don't think that a that a political party should have the ability to choose who our premier is right I think that should be completely separate that I should agree be a different completely vote. and I mean that's the system we live under that's exactly. the Westminster parliamentary system uh, but I have always felt that that when a uh, a premier resigns 
or is pushed out or dies or whatever the situation may be, that should require an immediate election. Yeah. It, It shouldn't be this. They get to pick who our premier is going to be. Now, I understand the flip side of that. The argument is, well, under the Westminster parliamentary system, you vote for a party rep. Right. And the party already chose who the premier was going to be anyways, if they won. I mean, the liberals chose Justin Trudeau. Yeah. Right. And if Trudeau is. However, membership is free. Yes. In the Liberal Party. So just yes. throwing that out there. That's true. <laughs> not not so much out here. The other issue is, uh, and we were talking about this before we started recording. It's my understanding that the NDP is the only party in the country that if you're a member of the provincial party, you are automatically a member of the federal party. Mm-hmm. And vice and, versa, because that's how, that's how I ended versa. up. <laughs> yes. The first and time. They are also if my understanding is correct, the only party that because they are federal and provincial party all rolled up into one neat little package. (laughs) If you're a member of the NDP, you cannot be a member of any other party. So if you're an NDP member who is thinking of buying a UCP membership to vote in the UCP leadership race, you might very well be uh, voiding your NDP membership. That doesn't apply to Alberta party members. That doesn't apply to liberal. Par- well, does the liberal party of Alberta even exist anymore? Kathleen, they have, they're <laughs> in the middle of a leadership race <laughs> or sorry, liberal leadership nomination period. Yes. Which- uh, it doesn't apply to that party, to the Alberta party, to the UCP, to the former PCAA, which still exists in uh, some form or another. No, it is gone. Is it, is it now gone it completely? Is. It ah, is. Uh, interesting. That happened. It actually happened in 2019 quietly because I thought there would be more of a, I don't know. I remember hearing someone that was going to register as soon as it was available. So just so people know, <laughs> I check if you are already a member of a party and you're planning on buying a UCP membership to vote against Danielle Smith, and I have no judgment on that decision. Or to even one vote way or the for other. someone. Or to vote for someone. Yes. <laughs> it, I happens. Have, I, it happens. I, no judgment. <laughs> Do your thing. Rah, rah, rah. Check your uh, party constitution. Because um, NDP, that's a no-no. The other parties. And I will okay. say, too, that when I... Uh, so the first time that I became an NDP member, like I said, it was accidental. Because I bought a federal membership. <laughs> I started getting surprise, notifications surprise. from the from the province, and I'm like, "How did this happen?" And I'm as, and originally I was like, "Oh no, I'm a member of two parties, right?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know, is this a bad thing? <laughs> and but then I, well, obviously, as we know, I'm pretty obsessed with this. So then I was just like, "I'm going to collect them, <laughs> and I'm going to be a member of every party." I get all the emails, <laughs> I can do all the stuff. Anyway, so it makes tracking everybody easier because they just send you emails. Great. Um, but when I went to renew my membership in the NDP, and I believe it was because there was a fundraiser coming up for Rachel Notley and, and like I had attended a few of the UCP fundraisers because I go to talk to people. But the thing is, I realized I'm giving like, I'm giving them money, right? When the first yeah. year when I got a receipt, <laughs> I was like, oh, that just <laughs> makes me feel 
and it, and it was because I didn't really support what they were standing for. Right. And, mm. and because I wasn't really happy that they'd won, I, 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 it hasn't been a secret. I don't think that I don't like Jason Kenny. I don't trust Jason Kenny. Right. Like this is, you know, from, from yeah. the beginning. So I, but yeah, and it, it did, it bothered me. So I was like, I need to attend a Rachel Notley fundraiser, right? Like I need to, I need to even out, <laughs> this is, you know, this, this makes me feel better because I've given money to them. Um, and, and it did, it worked just fine. So I went to this, so I went to renew my membership uh, because apparently they want you to be a member if you're going to go to fundraisers. And <laughs> When I went to fill it out, because I talked to HQ and she was like, yeah, you know, just like fill it out because I couldn't register without being a member for the fundraiser, even though I was going to give them money. Um, anyway, so I had talked to HQ. She's like, yeah, just fill it out and you know get that through. And so I got off the phone and I started to do it. And it's like, check this box to say you do not hold another membership. And I'm like, exactly. So then I picked my phone back up and I called HQ again and I said, so here's the thing. <laughs> like I have a membership in all of the parties. I'm like I do it for for work and you know I'm not there to uh to cause shit. Like if if I vote, which I've done a couple of times and I've also, you know, abstained just cuz I was busy. But when I voted, I've looked at it as if this was my government, do I want this policy going forward? Most policies as I've been to every political party's convention, most policies are things everyone can agree with. They're very general. They're like, we support small business. Excellent. Right. Sometimes they get a little bit uh, distinct. Like we're going to support small business by, you know, giving them a two year tax holiday. Right. Hmm. Okay. And then I have to think about that, but most of the time, you know, like I, I, I haven't found, in any party that I'm like, oh, except WIPA, uh, that was crazy. But, <clears throat> but the other parties, you know, I have found that, that I can pretty much agree with most of the stuff. And so when I called back and I explained this and, and, uh, and they told me, and because I was also very vocal about it, right. I was always saying I am a member of all of the parties. I was open transparent explained to people why but the NDP has this rule so anyways I explained and and they told me that uh that they would take that on the honor system that I'm not going to try and you know mess up their party so yes it does say that it deters people from buying multiple memberships I'm sure I well every party also reserves the right to reject members and membership applications and accept them oh right I (laughs) I think that uh, we should all remember the coup d'etat days. Yes. Yes. And, and how, that's one of the reasons why that. And how the there. coup d'etat crowd had uh, planned Wanted. on hijacking the NDP so that they could get all the policy change. And mm-hmm. I happen to know uh, the person who was the NDP membership manager. Okay. For lack of a better term. And I'm not going to reveal their name, but at that point in time, that person was responsible for overseeing every membership mm-hmm. application. And there were hundreds that were rejected okay. because it had become quite obvious these. But that these, was the goal. 
Yes, that the they were buying memberships in an attempt to uh, hijack the party and it, right. it never came to fruition. So it's also it's very possible, although the UCP is not too choosy, but it's very possible that uh, the UCP might reject memberships. Absolutely. From known progressive operatives. Yeah, for sure. And they they try to buy Sandra Jansen. Yeah. After she crossed the floor. <laughs> right. So there's, there's always that possibility too. Okay. So we're coming up on an hour. Okay. And there was one more thing. There was one more thing that I wanted to add to that though. Um, and it was, oh, one of the reasons why I can have a membership in all parties and not really feel guilty about it. Fundraising. Yeah. Like I said, that's a different sort of thing, but yeah, but actually being a member participating in their processes, in their events, things like that. One of the reasons I can do that without, you know, really feeling guilty about it at all is because I find value. I find value in these multiple voices. 2015 to 2019 was a wonderful year in the legislature because we had the Wild Rose, we had the Alberta Party, we had the Liberals, we had the NDP uh, and the PCs. I love the idea we actually had uh, real conversations then. Yes. I mean, we've, we are now a two-party state. We're a two-party problem. And it's awful. It, it is. is awful. It's, and it's, uh, it's not good for anyone who lives here. It's, uh, it's not good for the outcome of elections. Yeah. It, it's not good agree. for uh, having discussions. Mm-hmm. And it, so like, I, it's I know. all political, political purity and uh, fighting and accusations. And there's there is absolutely no middle ground anymore. And mm-hmm. each side thinks that it, they're fighting the good fight. Yeah, and exactly. each side thinks they are flawless. Each side <laughs> thinks that their politics and their ideology is perfect. It's the right one. And it's not getting any of us anywhere. I know it's, it's a very scary feeling. And again, like I said, because the way that I look at things, like I, I value these voices, I value this input and you know what, even, um, you know, the wild rose, like I said, I, I didn't agree with their policies, but I thought they did a good job. Yeah. Right. And I do. Uh, they did. A, they did a good job as opposition. Yeah. They did a good job. Yeah. I don't want them to be government. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't want, I like them as opposition. I don't even want the government we have now, which is basically <laughs> the WRP under an even crazier banner. Yeah. I don't want this government either. But I thought that at least when the WRP was sitting as opposition, there was some pushback. There was some holding them to account. Now, that being said, there was still a lot of weaponization. There was still a lot of sitting on top of shit that the public should have known about because the opposition holds back stuff to use during elections. People better wake up to that stuff too. Like, there like they are knew a lot the of times, time, but they're only bringing it up now because now people are listening. It's politically right. advantageous. That's no. not good for any of us. No, that's about weaponizing situations for power mm-hmm. instead of dealing with them in the, with the immediacy that they need to be dealt with. 
And yeah. all parties do that. No party is, is not guilty of that. All parties weaponize whatever they can to achieve power. Yeah. And this is, and we're seeing this divide. We're seeing uh, so much. I, I, it's, it's, it's disappointing and it's, and it's sad and it's frustrating and none of these are good feelings basically, right? This, this division. And that was what I really liked about, uh, about Jeff's comment uh, or tweet, sorry, because it just made me think that it's possible, right? It is possible to exist in and, and, and potentially, you know, influence others to look at our political parties and our political representatives and our government differently. It's not a, like, yeah. this is not a team sport. Like you said, it doesn't matter that, that, you know, maybe they give you a call or they, yeah, that they call you up and chat like your old friends. Yeah. You're not friends. Politicians they don't deserve your loyalty. Yeah. Politicians do not deserve your loyalty. People. Political parties do not deserve your loyalty. That's not where your loyalty should be. Because if you are loyal to them, you cannot stand as a watchdog for your own team. And the most important thing any of us can be doing right now is standing as watchdogs for our own team, snapping back at their F-ups, mm-hmm. snapping back at the shit they do and demanding more. Because until we demand more from our own, we cannot point our fingers across the aisle and demand more from the other team. The, the other thought I'd like to leave people with is we have all become so locked into our own echo chambers it's getting worse and worse and worse it's at a point now where we will attack other people who are attempting to bridge the divide and have conversations that might change minds you cannot spend the next what two years is it two years till the next election 18 months less a year yeah next may Okay. We should be electing a new government. Well, right. You you cannot spend the next year shitting all over everyone who happens to stand outside your ideological circle of friends, your little political bubble, and then show up on their doorsteps and ask them to vote differently. <laughs> you cannot do that. If you are not willing to talk to people right now, who have differing ideas from you, if if you're not willing to put in that effort, you have no desire in winning the next election. Mm-hmm. And you never just have forget, none. in 2015, when partisans were on the doors saying, vote for us, they had people saying, well, I'll vote either Wild Rose or NDP, whoever can beat out the PCs. Exactly. So understand, no one else gives shit what your team is. They have their own vision for what they want the province to be. And they don't, they don't wear the Jersey colors. That's right. And the vast and majority they of, vote for whomever they want. The vast <laughs> majority of people in this province aren't on Twitter for 24. That too. <laughs> the percentage of Albertans who are actually highly engaged in politics is like less than 1%. Yeah. Everyone else kind of pays attention around election time if there's a big scandal or if, if the money situation's getting bad, people pay attention to what directly affects them the most. 
mm-hmm. and they pay as little attention to that as possible yeah. because they got lives to manage because they've got their own shit they're focused on. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're putting all your energy into howling on Twitter or howling on Facebook or engaging on social media, we can't say it enough times. Twitter is not the real world. Dave Cornwallier said something that has always stuck with me and will continue to stick with me. And I think he said it for the first time way back in 2012. He said, you can't win an election on Twitter, but you sure as heck can lose one. Yeah. And it's very true. That's what I'm doing. So if you want to win the next election, (laughs) get off Twitter, find a team to door knock with, Mm -hmm. have conversations with your neighbors that maybe you haven't had conversations with before and try to bridge the communication gap that we're locked in because we're not going to do that. We're going to be stuck in this place and it's only going to get worse. Mm -hmm.